Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Enjoy. Thanks. Order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot, Neil. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 120 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick. Dave, Dave, Dave. Colin Regan. What up, bro? Hey, guys. How are Hello. you? How was your respective weekends? Yeah, grand. Like, World Cup filled, really. World Cup, football, football summer. Football fever. It feels very summery, doesn't it? Uh, we I didn't go to a couple V-A-R. of gigs. Yeah. V-A-R. 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 Four v- more years. Four more years. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you didn't go to gigs. I didn't go to gigs. Yeah, music, music journalists didn't go to free gigs. Uh, I chose not to go to the National because neither of you guys would go with me. And nor would Dahi, who briefly teased that he would. And then about Dahi 10 minutes. That was amazing. Yeah. Do you want to tell this awesome. story? Tell the story. Yeah, yeah, Dahi was like, hey, if that ticket's still going, I'll go. And you're like, you shall come to the ball, Dahi. And he literally told <laughs> Woohoo! Wait, I can't. <laughs> you were like, what? Because <laughs> he went to see Flight of the Concords instead. It was quite the emotional roller coaster, yeah. Craig um, uh, decreed that it was not soon enough yet to go see the National again, having last yeah. seen them in 2013. Having. <laughs> was it that long <laughs> ago? Was, yeah. Oh my no, god. It's no. when the O2 was the O2? No, it was longitude 2015. Oh, thank god. That's. I got it. 
Yeah, right. that was terrifying. Oh. It must yeah. be, yeah. Okay. It's, well, that's that's still that's three I years. I've um, seen them five times, in fairness. I do like the new album as well, so I was thinking, oh, maybe. Um, I read um, French show Dean Van Wyn's review. Yeah, he was at it, and he said it kind of failed to really ignite, and, you know, versions of the songs he loved, they weren't the best renditions, and they seemed to kind of fall flat, and it was kind of everything. I feel like the venue probably has a lot yeah, of Yeah, it sounded like everything I D hoped Fortress, it would be. That yeah. is the RDS. The, no, no, it was the Energia Stadium. Oh, sorry, the Donnybrook. Yeah, yeah, Donnybrook. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I just didn't really fancy going to a big outdoor gig, so I chose to watch Spain versus Portugal, which was really entertaining. Yeah, I missed um, oh, yeah. the end of that match, because I went to a gig. Banter, yeah. Tell us about the gig that you went to, Craig. I'm not sure how much I can say, because of various connections to... Um, so, it was in the DC music club which i don't know if you've ever frequented this place i'd never heard of it before it's like a downstairs in a georgian building not well advertised outside kind of place uh, okay um close Sounds to wheelands yeah uh so i went down opening act was great bit of bluegrass uh the closers were great um really great show um in the middle <laughs> the center of the sandwich was um steamed Irish actor Patrick Bergen. Of Sleeping with the Enemy fame. <laughs> yeah, and Patriot Games. Patriot Games, yeah. Patriot um, Games. And um, uh, he was recently on EastEnders. <laughs> um, he gets around. He's in Free Fire, that film I saw last year that wasn't very good. Yeah, he, intense guy, dedicated to his craft, also dedicated to music. And he, yeah, um, it was a very. <sighs> So it, was a, it was a long set. Um, set the scene. What was he just talking about? And like, how, how was his patter as well? What was the the patter wasn't too jovial, to be honest. <laughs> it was quite like he's serious about his music and his Irish, Dave. Um, so are you ready to rock DC music? Club? No, he's steeped in trad. Um, the guitar was kind of out of tune for the entire thing. Like he would I said that was a deliberate sonic choice. Probably though. most of the songs were, you know, here's one about my, you know, dog dying. Um, one song that he wrote was introed by, like, his dad told him to write a better song than uh, It's a Long Way to Tipperary or something. And rather than him being like, well, I gave it a go, he was like, and here is that song. <laughs> <laughs> it was not as good as A Long Way to Tipperary. Um, and yeah, he joined in at the end with the other like, musicians on harmonica, and that was fun. So Communal. Yeah, it, it was a good night. I enjoyed it. Um, as great. I say, the other musicians were great. So that was, yeah. And then on Saturday, <laughs> I didn't go and see Rostam perform a midnight show yeah. in the club because nobody would go with me yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact I went to see Hereditary that new horror film which is not as good as I hoped it would be and in fact it's kind of bad oh. and then um, I went for a couple of drinks with friend of the show Kira Halpin and then uh, we, were in, we, we were nearby the venue around 11 o'clock at night and she was like, do you want to get one more? And I was kind of all like, well, if we do and then you don't want to go to the gig and then the gig's 10 minutes away it's going to be really awkward, isn't it? So you left instead. Just called it a night. Wow, oh okay. my God, what? That's not the way that's supposed to go. You're supposed to go to the gig. <laughs> On my own, she wasn't going to go. Oh, uh, why? Because she didn't want to go to a gig. Ugh. A midnight gig, no less. Not as you. Yeah, I know, but I made that call at like 11 that day. Fair enough, I yeah. don't know. Um, I, I wasn't meant to be. I've I was heard nothing about the gig, out from my so. Patrick Perkin experience. <laughs> I was um, really into the idea of a Ross and Midnight gig. It sounded very romantic. Yeah, so but I didn't make it along. Maybe in the future, perhaps. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, that was our respective weekends. <laughs> well done, guys. Exciting stuff, huh? Um, yeah. How's Nina? Grand. She's recovering. All good? All good. She had a tonsillectomy, listeners. She did, yeah. I, I was on permanent, uh, what, like, waiting service, kind of 
private nursing service last I'd say week. you're very attentive. I'd say you're, you're safe. I have little choice. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I have borne witness to Cullum's hosting game, and I'd like to think that if I got struck down with an illness while I was there, he would act accordingly. <laughs> was it you or him that watched the other while they were asleep? Or no, it was me, was it? No, it was me. I watched, it was you, yeah. I watched Cullum while he slept. Yeah. And it was like an elegant... We said we'd never speak of that again. <laughs> it was like an elegant lion man made flesh. A regular Harry Kane hero of England. Rawr. Getting some... Getting 40 oh, winks. Didn't need the rawr, but... Yeah, we no, got it anyway. Rawr, yeah, we thankfully got there wasn't. Just, just the, the smooth sound of slumber at the time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, time to park all the non-Patrick Bergen-esque joviality and head into the news section. And I guess... There's really only one place to start. It's the biggest news story of the week. And uh, take a listen to this, and we'll come back in a moment. And I also, I just want to say that there was... You know, there's been a lot of fucking pressure in the media and shit to, to not fuck with this dude and to not respect him and, and really just an effort to turn him into a cartoon and a, a caricature of something that he really wasn't. And I just want to say that I appreciate anyone who was uh, willing to look past the, the portrait that was uh, tried to paint of him. And I also just want to say fuck anybody who has disrespected him after his death. And I really, 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 really mean that. Like, I don't know how to how to say how much I mean that without saying anything too graphic. <laughs> that is audio taken from uh, the memorial to rapper XXX Tentacion, who we uh, discussed on the show quite recently. Yeah, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, when we had Joshua Hughes on, we talked about how his music had been taken off Spotify's influential playlists, including Rap Caviar. Uh, because he was a judge to be quite problematic and for his kind of crimes that he was accused of, which were genuinely horrific. We'll get to all of that, but the the lead story here, of course, is the murder of XXX Tentacion. Um, so essentially on Monday, he was shot dead. He was shot dead in the street. Yes, yeah. leaving a motorcycle dealership, sitting into his car, and uh, two armed suspects ran up. Um, one who has been arrested, it seems, and charged with the murder uh, yeah. just this afternoon. Um, shot Exxon and he died on the scene. So, yeah, obviously, like you say, a big story, um, particularly big in the US, where his album went to number one, the billboards, and, you know, he was really making waves and obviously had become uh, a pretty contentious figure, well, long before, but I guess in, in the very sort of broad public eye in the past couple of months with uh, the measures by Spotify and a lot of debate that that brought up. And I guess the sort of storyline of the week really has been people grappling with how to deal with the totality of his life and death. The fallout has been quite the read from every angle, whether it's Twitter, which has been on fire, whether it's think pieces like the one that Craig Jenkins wrote for Vulture, which was very interesting, I thought very well written. Yeah, Uh, But we're seeing headlines with the likes of, you know, the, the complicated life and death of uh, XXX Tentacion, the, the tangled, uh, you know, like, difficult history of this guy, uh, henceforth referred to as X, by the way, because that name yeah. is just very fucking cumbersome. And essentially, I just think that, like, you know, I found myself when this happened with no real opinion. I don't really have much of an opinion on it, to be fair. 
I mean, you know, we heard the audio there. The audio was taken from his memorial, uh, which later uh, broke out into a bit of a riot. who was shut down by the cops. The guy's voice that you heard there was his manager, a man by the name of Adam Grand Maison, also known as Adam 22, a podcast host, a podcast called No Jumper. He um, had X on his show a couple mm-hmm. of years ago for a very long-ranging uh, interview in which um, X did not hold back from describing the crimes that he had been kind of accused of, one of the most infamous being when he was in a juvenile detention centre and he beat his cellmate, uh, his gay cellmate, almost half to death. He describes this in graphic detail with very little in the way of remorse. And he notes that at the end of the brutal beating and strangulation that he gave this guy, uh, the proud brutal beating that he gave this guy, he noted that he had, like, uh, taken his blood and like put it on his smeared face, smeared it on his face, and smeared cheeks, it on his yeah. arm, which led Adam Twenty Two, who would later become his manager, to remark, "War paint, that's tight." <laughs> so, I mean, it's very strange to discuss this guy. There's again, if you go back to the uh, to Vulture to that website, they have a timeline of his kind of mm-hmm. life, and I mean, this is a guy who had a very violent life from a very young age. When he was six years of age. Um, it is believed that he tried to stab a guy who was, quote, messing with his mother. He describes his mother in the same interview on No Jumper as um, the toughest uh, woman he'd ever uh, been around in his life. The only girl who could beat me up is how he kind of put it. Um, even when someone was like, hey, what, what about Ronda Rousey? And he was like, oh, you know, I'd throw hands at Ronda Rousey. And he did throw hands, allegedly, at his ex-girlfriend in a horrific, horrific fashion. Um, it's out there for you to read if you want to go read it, but I would say approach with caution. You're talking extreme violence, uh, like uh, over a prolonged period of time, kidnapping of this poor woman and an awful lot more death threats on the regular, vicious, vicious way of, of, of approaching things. And I just kind of feel like, you know, we, we, we go now to the fallout and we look at, again, Twitter in particular has been, whether it's a high profile celebrity like a Kanye West or whether it's just, you know, stands or whatever. Uh, on one side, hailing him and saying that this is an absolute tragedy, that he was trying to change his life, he was trying to turn it around, and, you know, he, he inspired a lot of people. And then you have the other side, whether it's people who are abuse survivors or just people in general who want to kind of get involved and rail against the guy based on his life and his misdemeanors and his crimes, again, which are extreme. It's difficult to find a through line there. It's difficult to find a middle ground. Um, my own one that I would offer, even though I don't really have one, would be that, like, who am I to condemn a 20-year-old who has been shot dead in the street, however, because I don't know him personally, you know, yeah. I've never been in his orbit. However, I mean, it would suggest that his actions, they, they would suggest that this, this this was an individual who was beyond redemption, who was beyond salvaging. But again, 20 years of age, I don't know, like, can I say that? Yeah. Well, like, a lot of, so I was going to say a lot of people um, within the kind of hip-hop community and, you know, some elder statesmen that would have known him um, and it kind of just in the last, in very recent times, had conversations with him and stuff, it did seem like they were all coming out and saying he was making a very concerted effort to change his ways. Um, he was trying to advocate for his community and mental health. And there were kind of shards of light and maybe possible hope and redemption for this guy. It is one of those things where, like, I mean... You know, you you think of like a life that's short and brutish. This is the definition of it. Um, my first kind of uh, awareness of him was that horrific account of what he allegedly did to this poor woman, um, which I have no d- doubt he did. Uh, it was quite a detailed account. Um, 
but also, I mean, he he was pr- the product of this kind of terror as well. So he just seems like he was a victim of awfulness. He was responsible for awfulness. There might have been some hope for him, but um, so, I, mean, I guess sadly that's the end of his story because he can never really wish this kind of thing on anyone. Um, it's just kind of it was upsetting to me to see all the hot takes on social media. Um, it's really amazing how these things are dealt with now, especially when you kind of consider. Before we even had confirmation that he was dead, there was already video up of him kind of like slumped over in the car. Um, It was very reminiscent of Little Peep recently, who, you know, there was that video footage. You're kind of seeing everything uh, very quickly uh, in real time. You're getting immediate reactions against some people being very flippant uh, about, you know, a really young guy's death, uh, whatever he did just didn't really sit right with me so i don't know i don't know if this is the time for think pieces around kind of his actions and what that means for artists and stuff like that it's just the end of a very very awful story for everyone concerned i think there has to be an amount of discussion about his actions and about artistry and stuff like that because otherwise we just turn into those people who are like you know this isn't the time to talk about gun control sure we we have to and and the problem for a lot of people is that it is just so inextricable like this truly is the life and death of x here um the thing that most troubled me was, and now, granted, I get annoyed at people talking about karmic retribution at the best of times, but people trying to, I guess, almost justify his death uh, because of what he did during his yeah, life. Yeah, which and, makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, look, at, at one level, I mean, frankly, look, if, if you want to kind of, you know, espouse the, the virtues of death penalty for, for various crimes, I mean, go ahead, I'll completely disagree with you. But frankly, that's the only way that you could actually marry the idea, oh, this guy did terrible things, so he deserves to die. Yeah. What's more, I mean, you know, he's clearly died at the hands of a felon, uh, you know, illegally owning a gun, and God knows we talk about, you know, young men dying at the hands of gun violence enough that, you know, we're in danger of sort of burying some worthy topics of conversation. That's not to say, though, that the critics of X and the people who question, you know, why he was ever a star in the first place don't have their own points. It's a very, very difficult thing to weigh up. In summary, it's a fucked up thing to happen to a guy who was himself fucked up. Difficult would definitely be a word that I would lean towards for sure. And I think, you know, at this point, just as a, not that I think we've we've suggested anything otherwise, but just as a reiteration, like no one at this table is in any way, you know, not condemning his crimes and, you know, with the no. highest, like, like of, of, of condemnation because it's just, it's beyond rational thought and again there are victims here and I and you know I desperately hope that they get some kind of clarity from this and that they can readjust their lives accordingly and just one more thing is that like that that clip that we played was just a short excerpt of the comments of his manager um at the the memorial service um he also talked about you know the size of the crowd there and the fans and how many people who had clearly been touched by the work there are people there are, people there in tears people there who said that I'm alive because of this, this is yeah. the thing I mean it's that you know not a, it's not all kind of people aren't just one thing he you know you could have this monstrous thing to him but also have a small positive impact and on other people's lives which of course doesn't negate any of the awfulness but it's one of the weird things with music isn't it i mean like it's happened to us i'm sure where you know at at some level like you can't really choose what you sort of fall in love with so to speak like it touches different people in different ways Um, and i'm sure there were a lot of people who had great admiration in fact like we know one personally who had admiration for x's music 
while also absolutely abhorrent towards his sure. uh, actions. You know, that's difficult to resolve at the best of times, never mind when that person is then murdered. Especially when, I mean, like, okay, so my 15-year-old niece, who I don't think listens to the show, mm-hmm. but if you do, hey, how's it going, messaged me that night and said, you know, X is dead. Right. And I, I forgot, oh, yeah, she likes this guy's music. And I remember talking to her very briefly before about this and being like, he's done some really horrible stuff, blah, blah, blah. Again, my niece is 15 years of age. Um, when I was 15, I would have thought that I knew fucking everything, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I think what I, what I would have wanted when I was 15 as well would be for somebody, whether it's my uncle or whoever, to talk to me on a human level and not patronize me and not condescend me. So via the medium... And, and, and what's more, not just absolutely demonize me. Exactly. And if I, I still happen to like this and music. And I found myself... Yeah. a lot to comprehend for I, anybody. I found myself in this very difficult position where I was talking to her, like, again, like over fucking like a messenger service and being like, the first thing I said to her was, how do you feel about it? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just asked, how do you feel about it? What do you think? And she kind of was saying that, like, she thinks it's very sad and that, you know, she was also a fan of Little Peep and she was kind of saying that, like, you know, the people I like are all fucking dying young and it's really difficult. You need sounds cool. Yeah, she knows. She, 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 she's into Kendrick Lamar. When I was 15, I was into, like, what, Slipknot? Uh, fair, Slipknot. You still are. Slipknot are fantastic. <laughs> yeah, bad example. <laughs> God smack. I don't know, like, some bad stuff. But the point is, um, I said to her, look, I said his actions were like unforgivable mm-hmm. at the same time I can't celebrate a person's murder I just I just can't do it like, like, no, like of I course. just can't I mean, do it I don't think anyone in the right mind could unless on a very rare occasion I know but it's so it's so it strikes me as so bizarre that people are that like I, I'm not really a believer in karma or any of that kind of spiritual stuff but something sits really wrongly with me where people are being so flippant about oh, yeah. someone just being killed and as Colin makes a point it's are, do, are we all in favour then of just these kind of other awful blokes being judge, jury and executioner is like is that the way to clean up yeah, should we yeah. just burn every prison to the ground yeah like? that, that's one thing I mean like yeah <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree you know with comments that you know like there are obviously like you know systemic problems with regards to abuse and so on and so forth I don't think we should have Dedrick D. Williams in charge of cleaning it up one Allegedly. 22 <laughs> bullet at a time like. yeah. with, okay well, just uh, to get back to my news for a brief second I mean like ultimately the way I see it with her is I'm not worried about her. She's got to make her own decisions. She's got like she probably doesn't understand, may not understand the gravity of his crimes, and that comes from like if you're so embedded into one side of this thing, and ultimately you know it's up to her. It's up to her to kind of you know see how she feels about this in five ten years. This is a person who was only five years older than her, and if she looked up to him for you know purely artistic reasons, well then it's got a sting. And I'm not here to police that. I'm not here to say you're wrong. Yeah. for feeling this way and ultimately that applies to the other side of things as well with regards to the people on Twitter and, and elsewhere who are saying this guy deserves no sympathy whatsoever because of you know like you're seeing a lot of people who are survivors of abuse and again their experiences are incredibly valid their emotions are incredibly valid and I don't think it's fair to police them either but I do think that for example Twitter yet again is just not the place for this kind of a conversation because you're just going to get division and you're just going to get anger and the anger is going to get angrier and it's going to fester and I don't see how that's healing in any way and to go back to the audio that we did play from Adam22, you know, he kind of, he talks about the uh, the media, like, making an effort to turn this guy into a cartoon uh, and a caricature of something that he, quote, really wasn't. I mean, the laundry list of crimes yeah. speak for themselves. I, I don't think this is a fake news situation. The other con- this guy's obviously incredibly close to the situation, yeah, but at the same yeah, time, come on, mate. This is not a media, uh, like, distortion thing here. The, the other kind of concern is, as much as I'm like, you know, someone's passed away, it's probably not the time for these discussions. The worry is that his death immediately 
elevates him to some weird martyrdom where every bad thing is immediately wiped away. That there is a and he's, and he'd, you know, he talked himself like um, just in personally shot videos talking about, well, you know, if I if I get killed when I'm young, if it's a sacrifice and it helps people, and there was a certain level of him thinking, well, this will be my route to you know mm-hmm. being a legend, and that isn't helpful for anyone, not least the people coming up behind him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just sad all around. Sad all around. Dreadful. I think. On that yeah. note, though, Craig, you mentioned the kind of martyrdom or whatever, someone being elevated in death. The day after he was shot, uh, at the age of twenty, let, let's not forget. I th- I thought he was older. Like, like I just assumed he was older. Um, one of his tracks broke the single day record for Spotify streams that had been held by Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Sad. Um, they threw it right back into rap caviar. In fact, at the top, first track. And they did a tribute to him. Like, yeah, that's right. Uh, what? <laughs> I made a joke about this. I, I, I said, looking forward to Spotify's awkward tribute to Exotestentacion. Yeah. And then they fucking did it. Yeah. yeah. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, again, very difficult situation. And like, like I said before, I don't know if there is a lesson here. Yeah. Apart from, I just hope everyone involved, directly, indirectly, can heal and can move forward and just try and, you know, do well. And also, uh, I hope Louis Theroux's PR team can... <laughs> can come up with whatever tweet he's going to send next because that was ill-judged I think uh, I don't yeah. I mean it was ill-judged and as much as like again it's just like it, it's you know it's yeah. I just feel like uh, yeah my thing friend my of the thing show Fanilla Jones at one point did say you don't have to say anything. I was going to say <laughs> silence yeah. sometimes is for the best so with that we'll move on will we to Indeed, um, yeah, slightly yeah, less to serious t- subject matter. Or slightly less Although yeah, the European that, Parliament's Committee <laughs> of Legal Affairs yeah something that could have a big, big impact for uh, the lives of lots of artists um, so there's been a crucial vote in the European Parliament over new copyright laws uh, that it looks like it will force YouTube to pay billions of dollars in fees for users um, watching music videos so this could really help out um, artists such as Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran that <laughs> need all the help they can get but also of course um, much smaller ones too so yeah this is like basically the result of the industry lobbying for the value gap between like the true worth of music videos and what YouTube actually gets away with paying the artists that create the content um, at the moment um, it's I think it has to go to another vote and who knows how much this legislation will actually impact things this um, is also the same legislation that they're saying will kill the meme Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? Wow. I think it's the same broad copyright. I wrote about this about. recently, and I actually forget the name of the article or whatever involved. But yeah, your memes are in trouble, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's Article Thirteen, is it? Is I that think the, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, execute Article Thirteen. It has been said that the YouTube are yeah, kind of getting away with murder in a sense. That they paid uh, eight hundred fifty-six million in royalties to music companies last year. That's about sixty-seven cents per user, <laughs> with one point three billion people regularly watching music there. <laughs> Unbelievable! Yeah, and it all works out. I mean, the much vilified, the much vilified Spotify, for instance, paid about twenty dollars per user. So that kind of puts it into perspective. Yeah, how that makes much sense YouTube to me. Getting as much away as, with. Yeah, we give out about Spotify. My God, Google. Yeah. What is it? Don't do any evil or blah blah blah. It'd be good or don't do evil yeah. or don't be evil. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing here is that, like, you know. Like, even at the headline there, you know, it's going to pay billions every year. And it's like... To millions of artists. (laughs) Yeah, but also as well, like, I don't think this is going to have, 
you know, that single effect upon the ecosystem. I mean, like, if it's going to cost them billions, we're clearly going to get either more ads, there's a subscription service oh, they're sure. talking about, YouTube Premium. Like, the reason so many people are watching it right now is because it's easy and it's free. Yep. And if you affect either of those, then it's going to change completely. So you're not going to sign up for the new YouTube music then, no? Uh, I, I, well, I don't really know what it is. Like, it's I, really fucking overcomplicated, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I, I have heard that there is... So you- there was a thing called YouTube Red. Yeah. Do you, do you guys right. know what YouTube Red was? It, sound, it was basically. It sounds dirty. It Dave. does, doesn't it? Was yeah. it essentially is it, their is own. Is there a red tube? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. Yes, yes, there is, yeah. yeah. I believe there is. An enthusiastic Craig was Patrick, whoever. <laughs> I knew it, but I, I felt like I had to be honest and say it. <laughs> He's been in college for too long. Oh, watching porn in the library, is it? Go on. Can't out those notes, guys. I've used all oh, my data. Silent study area. Um, <laughs> YouTube Red was essentially their own original content, wasn't Correct, it? Them trying yeah. to do this shows. Is where, this is where your fucking right. pricks like Logan Paul yes, yeah. made their bread and butter. Ah, I see. Okay. Okay, so this is... Well, YouTube Music is obviously... It's not quite related. I think there's an amalgamation version between YouTube Music and They're YouTube Red. They're folding a lot of stuff in and presenting it as this shiny new thing yeah. to take on Apple Music and Spotify. Essentially, it's we're killing YouTube Red, but they're not really. They're just folding. Yeah, there's going to be YouTube Premium, premium yeah. which also which is what YouTube Red was. YouTube premium music version premium. of YouTube. So it's just a rebrand. It's, yeah, it's a gonna... shiny new coat of paint, and it's like a new desktop and phone-based uh, platform ally your Spotify and Apple Music, which will have unique playlists and especially curated. Blah, 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 blah. Look, guys, I'll say this for you right now. It's all about the interface. Get that shit right. Get the audio quality of Apple Music. Get the interface of Spotify, and then I'll, then I'll consider it. I, for now, I'm going to juggle between the two yeah. the two giant uh, streaming platforms I was, that I already flip between. I was looking at some just kind of early reviews of the YouTube Music thing to see if it was decent service, because, you know, I'm, I love signing up for those streaming services. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> Monthly trial, yeah. Um, and apparently the kind of way Google are trying to pitch it to everyone is that we already have all your data, so we can help you, like, suggest. <laughs> the exact playlist for whatever you're doing or it's like oh brilliant yeah terrify people we spend all this time watching you while you sleep yeah let's pay it off with some tunes yeah, yeah. that's how you introduce your playlists to me Dave well presumably uh, I'm just going to dodge that one presumably <laughs> If that was the case, and someone from Google or YouTube Music was trying to ensnare Craig, they go, "Look, look at this drill music playlist that we made just <laughs> yeah. for you, Craig." Craig's favorite subgenre. What is that? The latest hits from Ten Eleven, Brixton's <laughs> finest, I believe. Boom, Brixton. Boom. Yeah. Let's follow up your uh, passion for drill music, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Um, the clampdown is getting even more serious. We talked before um, about it was YouTube, wasn't it? That were yeah, yeah. pulling their videos um, on the advice actually of the the London police. Um, Christina Dick. Dick. Who spends eight hours a day watching YouTube? Yeah, so there's this, you know, um, music genre that's um, captivating London's y- youth um, and you know knife aficionados uh, <laughs> called drill music. <laughs> um, I mean, all wow. the songs are about wow. knifing people. Have you heard the songs? Yeah, no. I have. Yeah. No, I have. You're a, drill, you're a drill music correspondent. Yeah. Uh, so drill music originated in Chicago, right? And, like, the likes of Chief Keef would be kind of proponents of the sound okay. and stuff. But the London version is more about knives, and there's less auto-tune. That's essentially it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and it's trading not very one, good. Trading yeah. one blunt instrument for another, then, yes? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Um, so, so, what, five members of 1011 have now been banned from <laughs> performing music without police permission? basically hanging out together by the sounds yeah. of this yeah. as well. 
they got an ASBO or a, a CBO, whatever it's called now, criminal behaviour order. Um, yeah, so in ruling handed down, Group Side members must get authorisation from London's police headquarters, Scotland Yard, for the next three years. Yeah, um, they, 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 they have to meet in public. Yeah. They've been forbidden from referencing their own gang arrivals, uh, prohibited from u- using lyrics officers believe may encourage violence. What's the point? They must notify police within 24 hours of releasing new videos. They're not going to, like, they don't have a whole lot of material, like, to, that's outside right. of that realm. So unless they get really creative, <laughs> could be curtains for 10-11. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you should note that, like, at the end of the story, it says, like, you know, they're arrested in November last year with machetes and other weapons while planning an attack on a rival group, or allegedly planning an attack on a rival group, which, like, don't get me wrong, like, that's a bad thing, right? I just don't think that banning them from rapping is the way to do it, like. No. I it's mean, a bit go to bed, isn't it? It's, it's a bit like, oh, you, you know, no like, supper for no supper for 10-11 tonight. Yeah, it's a bit, I don't know, like, like, I don't see this having a, a really happy ending. Is it possible Hopeful, that, you know, the way they always say that, like, you know, when you put constraints on people's creativity, sometimes you get great stuff out of it. Maybe they'll be forced to turn to kind of new subject matter and just get really, like, I don't know, get an Adela Soul vibe or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This could be the making of them. I don't oh, yeah. know. One to keep an eye on. Uh, back in the very early days of No Encore, when we used to do Top 10, and that kind of thing. It's been a while, by the way, yeah. for uh, top ten. Been yeah. a while. I feel like we can bring some back someday. But well, we were Stains discussing during 10? the week trying to do a World <laughs> Cup anthems top ten, but we all just went, "It's France, isn't it?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. about it. So yes, uh, we did discuss. I think it was like awkward celebrity musician tie-ins, and yeah. investments and investments, stuff. Yeah. And I think uh, number two, or really should have been number one though, was Akon. Akon, at one stage of his career, uh, whether on the advice of others or on a whim, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the meeting. It'd be one impulse shop, wouldn't it? He purchased a diamond mine. Yeah. And not just any diamond mine, but a conflict diamond mine. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't go down. The worst type of diamond mine. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go all in, at least, you know, regulate that shit. Regulate that shit if you can. So, he has a new scheme, which thankfully is less um, human rights violating, and But more punny. It is, and also we're once again going to have to go to lapsed business journalist himself, uh, cryptocurrency drill correspondent, and cryptocurrency expert. What am Please. I doing this time? Am I explaining what cryptocurrency is again? No, or? tell us about a coin. Oh, a coin. I mean, basically, all you need to hear is a coin, right? <laughs> is that not essentially the gist of what's happening? Well, like he's launching his own cryptocurrency. Um, and essentially no no, no 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 forget that he's launching his own crypto city <laughs> he's been by all accounts yeah given a 2000 acre plot of land in senegal um <laughs> by the president by of the senegal president of, of course senegal. um yeah according to website it'll be the first of its kind 100% crypto based city with a, a a coin at the center of transactional life um and acon's kind of put it out that he thinks you know blockchain and crypto could be the savior for africa in many ways because it brings power back to the people brings the security back into the currency system and also allows the people to utilize it in ways where they can advance themselves not allow governments to do those things that are keeping them down and then he kind of ruins that lovely statement by saying i come with the concepts and let the geeks figure it out yeah hopefully he hands responsibility for naming this new crypto city which he's currently calling acon crypto city yeah so keep it simple a coin's pretty good it does a coin beat ghostface killers cream yeah 
Yeah, Acoin's great. Yeah. Okay, uh, right. this is good. This is a step in the right direction for Acoin. I'm glad he's he's getting it back. I, I kind of think he's right. I mean, cryptocurrency does seem like a way that will give power back to the people. Dave, Let's you're looking so. at me blankly. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at you with like tinfoil hattery over here. We'll, <laughs> well see. It's, I it's, hope it does. That'd be great. Removes the third party yeah. need for banking. It's kind of completely encrypted. It's you know. Can't get the business journalist out of him, can you? Let's <laughs> <laughs> move on. I will say this, though, before we move on. Uh, again, he's Senegalese-born, which is a reminder of the best, most likable team at the World Cup this year, I think. Senegal. All right. And their amazing coach. They are likable, don't get me wrong. They are, yeah. Uh, oh, with his fist bump. His fifth... Uh, yeah. uh, Aliou Cisse? Yeah, Ex-Portsmouth so. sensation, I believe. Yeah. Uh, with his amazing fist pumping, which was very gifable, and his incredible glasses game. Yeah. Those glasses. Sure. <laughs> this guy is a style titan. And I want Senegal to go all the way, even though I don't have them in the sweepstake. Sure. So there we go. Positive, positive stories. Now, before we get into our album review this week, uh, it was a bit of a heavyweight week for releases. Yeah. There yeah. were three albums to choose from. We have chosen just one. And I'm going to go to both of you, and you can tell us why we haven't gone with the ones that we haven't gone with. So first up, Coolum. Why yeah. haven't we gone with Nas? Uh, I mean, basically... Part four of the Wyoming project. Yeah, we were a bit Wyoming doubt just in terms of show content. A little I bit think. Wyoming doubt, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we also had the debate around. I mean, we talked about the conflict between people's personal lives and their artistry, and um, the Kalisa allegations came out around Nas um, when they were a couple. Um, she was alleging um, kind of years of abuse, and he'd had alcohol problems. So it kind of didn't quite sit right with us. Having said that, I've been listening because, of course, Kanye's production. And have you guys had a bit of a listen to Nas? I had a couple of cursory spins, and it didn't some grab me. It, some great it stuff, didn't grab right? me. Yeah. Everything in particular seems Every- like a really bad song. You don't like everything? So, Kanye singing with the dream is incredible. I, I mean, it's, it didn't grab me. Like, it just didn't grab oh, me. Oh, it's, ins- it's insanely good. But um, we're not reviewing it for the reasons stated. So. Yes. And the other album that we're not reviewing, Craig with Patrick, is a superstar team up. <sighs> yeah. The Carter, <laughs> the Carters, <laughs> Beyonce and Jay Z. Um, I miss the Carter twins. <laughs> you do. Yeah, maybe it was a tribute Love to that. changes everything. Um, yeah, they dropped a surprise um, album on Saturday, a day after Nas's <laughs> album was released, which was kind of maybe unsurprising. Um, yeah, Everything is Love. Um, pretty much, I think, to support their joint tour, um, but also kind of round off that trilogy of. Um, I guess relationship albums they yeah, were making. Yeah, a little bit. Can I be insensitive for a second here? <laughs> I wish you would. Get the fuck <laughs> over it. I mean, yeah. Jesus. It, it, it's long overdue if they were going to try to actually make that into some sort of a narrative arc. But they already did and did it really well. Yeah. The whole gag is, oh, we got three great albums out of that lift that night. We got the Solange no, album. Didn't. We got the Lemonade oh, wait, and we okay. got 444. Yeah. All right, sure. Seat at the Table. We haven't got four. Seat yeah, at the Table, no. Lemonade 444. Three great albums in their own respects, I think, even though Craig doesn't like the Jay-Z album. But also with the Jay-Z album, I was like... I, I do quite like the Jay-Z I album. I made it on the point of the show. I was like, this is a great retirement album. This should be it now for him. And now here's the sure. thing that I, I I find myself just bristling at this. I don't. Yeah, he's the weak point on it as well. I feel like he's, he's doing this begrudgingly, is. to be quite honest. And also she, like... The post-Beyonce narrative, the post-Lemonade narrative is all about Jay-Z. Like, apart from that performance at Coachella. Yeah. It's all been Jay-Z related. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? I mean, by the time you get to the last song and um, she's kind of talking at him where she's saying, listen, you keep hurting me, but I know you can change. And you're just like, oh my God, you're literally just dragging this man through an album of scolding. (laughs) And she's very good at it, I must say. There's some good lines. She's very good, Um, yeah. But musically, it's not the most inspired. I don't like how they're just like jumping on any old trends at this point. I mean, like, the lead single, Ape Shit, is just literally Amigos track. Sure. 
They, yeah. like, the guide track has been released. It's just her doing their lines. Jay-Z kind of not wanting to be there. The video's them in the Louvre just because they can. Yeah. I don't know. It, it it felt like a kind of... Remember Jay-Z's like Magna Carta, Holy Grail kind of tie-in with a phone company? <laughs> it just felt like that cynical, yeah, you know, the, promotional... The, the one thing that I will say is that like there, there's a point to me that almost admires that cynicism in the fact that they've embraced the the ridiculous cartoonish level to which they've ascended at this but point. But it's too much. Like, I've lo- oh, they've, they've, they've like, lost touch with reality, I think. But, the, but I think that's the point is what I'm saying. Like, like if they were strutting around being like, hey, we're real, you'd be like, no, you're not. Guys, this is turning into a review. It's true, yeah, we've got <laughs> so something else to talk about. So instead, we'll go for our actual review, which sounds like this. Ponyboy, the second single of Sophie's debut album, Oil of Every Pearl's Uninsides. And now, once again, the man who is shouldering this episode, Craig Fitzpatrick, some background on Sophie, if you please. Well, I'll just say about that track in particular, it reminds me a lot of some of the tracks on the Carter's album, just to get... No. Um, <laughs> so Sophie is um, Scottish-born producer who is kind of closely aligned um, with the PC music thing that took off in London, based there for a long time now, LA-based. Um, never exactly in that stable, but um, certainly kind of bearing similarities with the sound, um, actually driving a lot of that sound forward. Um, and what you're looking at is, I mean, very kind of done-to-death, uh, tropey dance music done in a kind of hyper-real fashion um, that's quite satirical, sonically, um, and draws on stuff like K-pop um, and just kind of turns everything on its head. It's a kind of real love it or hate it thing. I mean, the whole scene has seemed very Nathan Barley-ish. Um, but Sophie, as I said, kind of aloof uh, from that thing um, and has, I think, um, with this album, really kind of transcended that. Can I ask you to expand on the Nathan Barley thing first, though? Uh, basically, just in terms of it, there's uh, there seems to be a lot of chancers in the scene. Um, there's some extremely talented people there, like the likes of A.G. Cook, who um, heads up PC Music. But it is just achingly hip, and it's very self-referential, and it's very, we're doing pop, but we're above it all. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can imagine why people would find everyone related to scene insufferable. Um, I don't know how you guys have felt about, you know, what you've heard so far from what's come out of that scene, but... Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it's hit or miss, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like, the, the other thing as well is that, as like, the scene, so to speak, and, like, this can be applied to almost everything, the scene is an umbrella term that's been ter- sure. coined yeah. by kind of media and by fans, you know, just as a sort of a shorthand. Uh, it obviously, yes. Can I interrupt you for a second, please? I coined a term this week. Oh, right. <laughs> you guys ready? Go on. Bracing myself. 
Snapchatmosphere. Oh, Jesus Christ. Carry on. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Literally speechless. But anyway, yeah. Like I say, yeah. Uh, stuff's hit or miss. I'm a fan of Sophie generally. Yeah. Uh, I like a lot of her work. And with this album, yeah, I definitely think there's been an effort to sort of further distance herself from, you know, peers or what have sort of been termed as peers. Has it been successful? Dave Hanratty. I think it has, yeah. I mean, the first song we heard off this properly, I believe, was the opening track, It's Okay yeah. to Cry, and we talked about it on the show, and I kind of wasn't mad about it. I thought it was grand, but I'd come to expect something a bit more tectonic from Sophie, which we mostly get on this album. Mm-hmm. It turns out that track is a bit of an outlier. Very much so. And I guess on its own terms, and to kick off this album, it is incredibly brave, because of course, this was the reveal. This was like, for so long, Sophie was like a weekend figure where no yeah. one quite knew who he or she was. It turns out she is a trans woman. Uh, is that mm-hmm. the correct term? Yeah. Yes. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, because there was a fucking review in, was it The Independent? Oh, wow. Like, literally, so bad. three words in. What was, yeah. what was it, it, so it went, oh, yeah. Scottish producer Sophie, born a man, now a woman. All right. Yes. Well, the, the, the ironic thing is that for a long time, because Sophie was, you know, doing that anonymous thing, that, you know, yeah. proud pr- tradition of an Aphex twin or a burial or whatever, Sophie was getting a lot of jabs say, I, online for, like, um, gender appropriation. I remember, because they just assumed it was a bloke go, going, yeah. I remember Grimes ripping her in a Guardian interview. Oh, Grimes years did ago. as well. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. 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 But this is before uh, she had transitioned, and I suppose, obviously, you know, Grimes had no idea who she was really talking about. In that no sense. one did, and like, but yeah, the reveal, yeah. I believe the official reveal was that video yeah, for was. that song. I and think like, it was the first time we kind of saw her properly. Yeah, yeah, lyrically as well, like it's all in there. And a matter of fact, she's currently on the cover of Paper Magazine, uh, which she does an interview with her girlfriend. Right. And it's really, really, it's a really good read. Like very in-depth, very yeah, I think honest. she was in Teen Vogue as well. And it was a very good interview. Uh, just talking about, yeah. Like re- both showing your magazine tastes there. <laughs> what can I say? You know, don't, let, pu- yeah, don't let publications <laughs> die, my friend. So with regards to, yeah. So I think, you know, as the starting point in this album, it makes perfect sense. It yeah. is, it, it, like, it is a really good song. But like, it's it, like I thought it was a bit kind of breathy and a bit kind of whatever. And I was a bit confused by it because I was like, well, this wasn't what I was expecting. Pony Boy follows track that like as soon as i heard it last year i was like jesus christ pony boy and face shopping which comes next <laughs> they are like two of the most aggressive art pop songs you're pretty much ever going to hear and also they have that kind of clown from slipknot attacking a steel drum with a fucking yeah. steel baseball bat sound which was of course utilized in uh vince staples big fish theory on the track yeah right yep. which she wrote with vince yep. and in that paper interview she notes that like i wrote this track with my friend vince and then all of a sudden we get it back and, oh my God, Kendrick Lamar is on it. I didn't realize that was that, that was going to happen, but there he is. And that style, that sound is probably going to be Marmite. It's probably going to be Nails and Chalkboard for some people. A whole album of it is, in fact, of course, a bit much. Mm. Uh, this album doesn't always dive in with it, but the majority of these tracks are, are aggressive. They do attack the listener. I was reminded of Bjork's last album, except where that was this sea of tranquility with chirping bird sounds and yeah. lilting meadows. This is essentially going into a honeycomb world filled with barbs, and yet there's some rich fruit, if I can drag this on further. I, I, like, this is an album to get lost in. It's a challenging record. I think it's pretty fucking stunning. Yeah, I think maybe um, my misgivings with uh, her music and the kind of the scene music, um, uh, like she released a kind of um, a collection of stuff, which, uh, more of an EP uh, product previously. Uh, up until now, Sophie's stuff has been very uh, concise, um, 
it's been very clever sonically interesting but i thought a bit too clever clever um and you did like again going back to nathan barley thing occasionally have to get the references and stuff i think this is an album fully kind of imbued with its own context i think she it's like a properly realized it's not here's everything i can do in the studio it's here's kind of me um the tracks are longer uh, the dynamics are better there's real emotion kind of just blown into um these very kind of like desecrated industrial sounds uh that she's flipping a lot um and you know she's talked about she thinks of um like the physics of sound and it is a very like multi-dimensional kind of thing it feels like architectural just you know what's going on um i think it's it's extremely powerful um it's not kind of necessarily the palette of sounds that i'm usually drawn to right so the fact that it works for me is um pretty remarkable i think um and I think that's a lot to do with the kind of catharsis that a lot of these tracks have. I mean, when you have something like, um, like pretending going into immaterial, you're getting these huge bills then into, uh, very inverted pop songs that are kind of like plays on kind of Madonna's material girl. Um, and it's almost like everything since that release in pop music could be wiped away. And you just have these two points and you go, Oh, here's the progression of music. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a pretty stunning work. To it's be funny honest. that you mentioned pretending into immaterial, which was which is a striking moment on the album. Yeah, but it, like for me, if you take that sort of almost ten minutes, yeah, pretending is about six, immaterial is about four. I far prefer the second part. I far prefer the four minutes of immaterial. And yeah, I feel like the six minutes of pretending is, you know, it like it's it's there's a point to it and it, it it works in the context but six minutes is an awful lot of investment for that sort of emergence of the hook and the hand claps yeah. and so on and so forth I've, i i like sophie i like her work but i think this album is and it's a shitty sort of a criticism to make of any artist who chooses you know to make something that is clearly kind of cathartic and emotional and that does come through in the record but i think it's simply too freeform for her ability to sort of use those pop elements to really have the sort of effect that they've done in the past that essentially you know we talk about deconstructed pop but the in, in, inherently in that you need all of the constituent parts of a pop song sure. and then rip it apart rather than having you know like one single sound but like if there's no hook if there's no sort of skeletal structure of what might resemble a pop song to me it just sounds too out there too haphazard very interesting that you would choose that one in particular because in the same paper magazine interview she describes immaterial as quote the cheapest song on the album and then when asked to elaborate on what that means she essentially says well you know the most kind of straightforward and radio friendly i suppose yeah yeah and i mean you know but like pony boy um is a cold in water um you know I, i i think we're done really well because there is something that something that you could essentially like say is a skeletal structure of you know, a four-minute pop song, so to speak. Now, it's not overbearing, and it's certainly not as obvious as immaterial. But, you know, there is something that resembles a chorus. There's something that resembles a hook. A lot of this album doesn't have that, and it dives from one thing to the next. And it's not that it's not technically impressive at times, because her actual ability as a producer is undeniable. Yeah. But I guess just 
aesthetically, the whole kind of deconstructed pop thing, like I say, I think it needs to resemble pop a little bit more well, let me to counter, be effective. Let me counter that with this. Okay, if we look at Charlie XCX's Pop 2 as a 2018 album, because it came out as pretty mm-hmm. much the last one of 2018, yeah. or 2017 rather, sorry. If you put that out there, you put this out there, you get the Daphne and Celeste album out there, and all three of those albums in their own ways are a fucking barrage. Yeah. Is that not more interesting and better for pop music now than, for example, a generic pop oh, album oh, without a doubt. from a Maroon yeah. 5 oh, or listen, whoever? Because we're drowning in those. Yes. Hold with, on, we're Maroon 5? <laughs> World Cup 2018's Maroon 5. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm... Not during the I'm, World Cup, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, that Hyundai ad. Oh, my God. I've only seen it. I haven't heard it. Yeah. Three Little Birds, is that what it's called or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell you. Oh. Stay on point, stay on point. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> No, listen, I, I love what they're doing. I really do. Um, I, but, like, I mean, you mentioned Charlie XCX Pop 2. That, if it were a 2018 album, are we going to treat it as such? I don't know. But either way, it, it, like, it would be one of my favourite of the year. And, and I think partially because there is this almost antagonistic thing between, you know, a relatively straightforward pop song or, you know, just strong hooks and strong melodies and the production which is determined to sort of drag it off in strange directions or indeed vice versa weird yeah. production where somebody is trying desperately to put some semblance of structure and form on it and i like that sort of push and pull i like that antagonism and i think that you know just at times on this album it's too happy to sort of float off um and 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 leave any of those restrictions behind so to speak yeah yeah i mean it's definitely i agree leaving those kind of pop blueprints in a lot of places but i don't think it then becomes formless i think there's a very clear structure in place and it's very purposeful in what it's trying to do and for me certainly i think the payoffs worked well enough we talk like about a pretending dropping into that kind of cheap or lighter moment of immaterial um how about the closer with those sick throwback prodigy vibes yeah i love all that kind Only of stuff, world like, slash pretend world which is a nine minute epic it of feels like a real kind of like victory lap for me i just thought it was great it's great that's to go escape. jogging too as well that, for one of my escape from this strange world even brought into yeah, it yeah yeah sure again i just I, I don't know i just i felt hopped around a little bit too much like that code in like that code yeah in i know what you mean face shopping you know yeah the lesotho of this album where yeah. it's just surrounded by the same hook from <laughs> earlier guy, but, <laughs> but that is jarring that bit is jarring to the point where like every time I hear that song and I've heard it a bunch yeah. I think it's a new song yeah and then it snaps back into you know the kind of the main incredibly like it's like a fucking it's robotic hypnotic it's like, sort of it's thing like, it's, it's like the ending of The Terminator where The Terminator is chasing uh, Linda Hamilton around the factory and like he's getting crushed by that thing that's yeah. what this is my in face audio is the real shop front it's so but it's so like again like, it's, it's pitchfork barbecue music obviously like, we, we, we know this but uh, I love it I could grill to this to be fair yeah I <laughs> could well, well that's the verdict that's the album verdict yeah yeah okay fair <laughs> enough uh, 8 out of 10 from me uh, 8.5 I think it's great it's a 7 for me it's a good album all right, let's give some songs a spin. Craigie, give me a number. Oh, I uh, need to hurry up because Brian Kerr is confirmed to be on commentary right now. Two, please. <laughs> it's Ariana Grande. Uh, another single from her upcoming album, Sweetener. This one, once again, calling in Nicki Minaj. It's called The Light Is Coming.
finally have a date for the album, which is August 17th. This is our second listen to it. And after the first one, which was slightly reflective, I suppose, mm. in many ways, this is definitely a change yeah. for the better. You, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I need Nicki Minaj settling kind of beefs and scores on an Ariana Grande song. Um, I also don't know if I need this kind of Pharrell production. Um, this is the problem, isn't it? Because he's using yeah, the sample. He's yeah, he's using a sample of uh, this speech, which was um, it was kind of a public hearing um, dispute between a Pennsylvanian senator and some member of the public. He used is a different. Yeah, yes. he used a different one already on that lemon track. The wait a minute thing. Wait, oh, a, wait a minute. Shit, okay. Wait, yeah. wait, and this is an, oh, even I didn't put that together. Even more annoying yeah. <laughs> um, use of it. Yeah. Just w- won't stop throughout the entire oh, song, uh, and like, seems to bear it's, it's no like resemblance to what's going off. on. It ruins the song. It's, it's like Noel Gallagher's alarm song. again. But what yeah. is oh, it? Oh, that was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Holy Mountain is that what the song was called? Holy so, Mountain, yeah. rubbish. What, what is it supposed to add? I don't know. It's no. commentary on know. society. And I was wondering if it was just me as well, because like obviously, like I listened to this song a couple of times in relatively close proximity, and like after a while, I realised I was probably listening out for that. Yeah. Sample, and so I was like, "Is that just me?" But yeah, I was pretty confident it was. That ruins it. Nicki Minaj doesn't elevate it. I love the minimalist stuff going on, and I adore Ariana Grande's cadence with it. Yeah, the playfulness that she's doing. It'll do big business in but the club. As those kids are, say, but. but they're ruined. They're ruined by those two yeah, other elements. Are. I mean, like Nicki Minaj is fine on it. She's always Grand. decent, but like on this, she's it doesn't really. It's ele- out of place. It's yeah. It's, it's not needed. But the sample is. It's unforgivable. It's yeah. there constantly. Yeah, it's constantly there. Yeah, it, it totally ruins it for me. All right, Dave, give me a number. You rarely get to do this. Oh, uh, that's true. Uh, why don't we go for number four? Number four. <gasps> oh, shit! Almost, the big one! <laughs> almost four years to the day oh, <laughs> since Garth Brooks made the start of my hot press tenure more exciting than it ever should have been. Four more years. Four V-A-R. More. G-A-R. 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 This... Is Big LGB himself, and this is all day long. Somebody's gonna need to hold her. Tell her it's okay. Just let her know to let it go. Then she's gonna have some fun. If she needs some help getting over him, somebody's gotta get it done. Somebody gotta shoot that whiskey. Somebody gotta bust that rack. Somebody gotta play that country that ain't ever coming back. If home is where the heart is. Alrighty, the man went to a honky tonk in Nashville and said he was inspired to write a song that would suit a honky tonk in Nashville. Don't know about you guys, this sounds like a honky tonk song that would do well in Nashville. <laughs> I can't see this doing well anywhere else apart from the G-Man heading it up. It's so, so awful, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's what he does. I don't think it's awful by any means, I haven't means, checked in honest. with him in a while. Is this what he's doing? I mean, it's hardly the dance. For ages. Is it? Mm. Oh. No, it's not. And no, it's it, like it's not an absolute fucking home run by any like, means. And he's clearly, like, he's going for that um, I got friends in low places kind of jokey yeah, thing with the is. whole, like, I could do this night- nightlife all day long. Do you Go- get it? Nightlife all Guys, day long. From like, I think you're both really <laughs> wrong on this one. From the very first lick, this song is like a party. <laughs> yeah. That's what Garth Brooks had to say about it. Yeah. yeah. 
And the G-Man would know. So um, there's talk. He's talked. He said he's 100% on for coming back to Ireland and making this shit happen. Big announcement coming up on July 9th. I've apparently. heard rumours. I've heard rumours that his manager's been over and attending some high-profile gigs. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard other rumours that uh, it might be happening. Yeah. And our friend, front row, lads, front friend row. of the show, Joshua Hughes, did say all five nights I'll go if that's what it takes. All, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all five nights. Yeah. I'm down. At this stage, right, a gig that I um, I worked with you both mm-hmm. in the Hopper's Trenches around that time, I believe. Yeah. And I had I, I had a couple of days ruined on that as well. And <laughs> yeah. I it never once crossed my mind, despite our close proximity to it, to attend that gig. If Garth Brooks announces that he's coming back tomorrow, I'm there. Yeah. I'm in. At this stage, I'm in. I oh. ha- for the sake, for the for the, just to, just to say, I was there. Yeah, I was at the bloody press conference for the first one, and I have to say, he's captivating presence. He's a very <laughs> nice chap altogether. Right. Well, he's, he's the most effective marketer. Uh, he in is. Music, he is. He has he's, a degree in advertising. Yeah. He's like not. Craig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just a businessman. He's a business man. Hey, <laughs> give me a number, Craig. Uh, number one, please. <laughs> number one, J Rock has released an album this week. Uh, this the. Uh, lead track from it it's called Redemption dealing with life stress glad the angels came in surgery said I'm not done yet I know saints I know sinners I know bosses I know pain I know wins I know love my loyalty is sensitive so please don't cross me my loyalty is sensitive so please don't cross me I came to redeem myself Yeah, featuring a vocal from one of our favourites, SZA. Who, thankfully, is healthier again. She thought her voice was permanently damaged. Permanently damaged, damaged yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and now she's saying that it isn't. Yeah, it, like, it was seemed... I, I wasn't overly concerned when she first said it because she has been known to panic about stuff related to her voice in the past. So, thankfully, again, uh, this was a false alarm. Um, and she is typically great on this, I think. This is pretty low-key. Um... And J-Rock, who's releasing his second album with um, Redemption, I guess probably swamped by some of the other rap releases around him. He's a low-key kind of guy. You hope um, some of his stuff gets through, though, because he's a really kind of refreshingly honest um, voice, I think. Uh, He comes from that kind of black hippie uh, Kendrick stable. He's from Watts. He's lived a life um, kind of wise beyond his years and very reflective. And this is just... um, It's a really kind of sweet story as well to the song i really like it yeah. in parts I, <laughs> you know? I, I mean I, I mean it has heart yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not necessarily all that sweet Basically, well it's about a motorcycle crash <laughs> yeah the song and the album as a whole uh, it seems uh, i haven't really had a chance to spend much time with it yet has sort of come about because he was in this pretty horrific motorcycle mm. crash two years ago and obviously this is his first album since then and it's sort of I mean, I don't want to say, you know, he had a kind of a life-changing near-death experience or something like that, but it does seem as though it's kind of prompted some, shall we say, like fairly major evaluations and re-evaluations that, uh, yeah, give it a little bit more depth than it should. And uh, also, I love the sample. I love the sample. Oh, yeah. That kind of, that swing beat track... it's I, my love. Yeah, it's yeah, been used it's quite a lot, but this yeah. one is kind of, it's, yeah, all taken apart and it's just, you have that descending kind of slouch thing. It's great. Big fan of this. I have nothing else to add because you guys covered it perfectly. Yeah, it's a great song and I agree that I hope the album doesn't get lost. Definitely worth checking out. Sure. Alrighty, uh, there is number three and five left, Dave. I'll take number three. Number three. <laughs> uh, young oven comer Paul McCartney. <laughs> 
um, featured on the Kanye song a few years ago, so I'm sure the boys will be more than familiar. Uh, he has an album coming out, released two singles this week. One of them is Come On To Me. It sounds like this. I don't think I can wait like I'm supposed to do. How soon can we arrange a formal introduction? We need to find a place where we can be alone. That was one of those things, wasn't it? People being like, who's this Paul McCartney yeah, guy? Yeah, He's going to yeah. take off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were like, oh, oh Twitter. Look. Yeah, they were like, oh, oh, Ka- oh Kanye, man. Like, he's always he's giving young guys a chance. <laughs> yeah. He's done it again. He's found yet more gold. <laughs> so, uh, two Paul McCartney songs that I was treated to this week. Fantastic. Uh, he did an interview with DIY, worth checking out. Talks about working with Kanye, which is interesting. Right. Notes that Kanye spent the day on his computer looking at pictures of Kim Kardashian. And Paul McCartney was like, "What are you doing?" And then he goes, "But then he wrote the song, and he goes, I guess that's just his muse. Like, like that. That's the way he works. Fair enough." He also notes that um, he's like credited on a Kendrick Lamar track, which he had no idea that was going to happen again. There's a strange Kendrick Lamar appears to be like the the puppet master, right. uh, like uh, behind the scenes of everybody, and just like putting it all together, but not really being like, "Hey, I'm Kendrick Lamar. Let's do this." He just does it. Um, I, I'm not a Paul McCartney guy I'm not a Beatles guy we know this <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the interview though um, he comes across like an interesting fun, the songs. fun guy uh, <laughs> Come On To Me is weird in particular isn't it because it's like it's basically him uh, from, appears to be writing from the perspective of having a teenage fumble awkwardness with so, like someone that you fancy yeah is he trying to do also a satirical thing on just like you know often get permission it's for like stuff Jimmy now? World song I was like what it's are you got doing? a bit of a it was reminding me of um, a little bit of Franz Ferdinand's Do You Want To, just in terms of the underlying melody. and yeah. But of course, terrible compared to that. Um, <laughs> it's, the thing with Paul McCartney is, um, you know, one of the greats. He's, you know, he's, he's written a one good song greats. or two. Comedy greats. Um, his voice is kind of shot these days. Like, he can't really yeah. carry a song like this. Um, the other track, I don't know, suits his kind of voice a bit more. A bit more, more stomper. A, I quite well, liked that one. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. It's a bit more of a ballad. It reminded me, me of his kind of, you know, golden slumbers mode. It seemed more fitting with where he's at. Um, but It was like a really middle-class David Bowie for me. It kind of had that late-life late reflection yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I like that. Frankly, it, o- it only works as well, though. Let's be perfectly honest. It only works because, because it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, if it was like some it. other random... If it was your buddy there last week with, with his out-of-tune <laughs> guitar, uh, Patrick Bergen, Patrick Bergen yeah. just My reflecting buddy. on his life like that, you'd just be like, well, this is a bit rubbish. But because it's a bloke who's sort of, you know, know. lived a... Uh, had a good innings. He lived a life. There's not. Yeah. Coming, isn't there? Egypt Station, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, so, first okay. in five years. Or something uh, like that. I'm looking forward to taking the pot off that week if there's nothing else to review. <laughs> Just can't get on board with it. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah. Okay, so one track left, and um, we don't normally review things to do with wrestling, but because it's Rusev Day, we said we'd make an exception. <laughs> happy Rusev Day. A happy Rusev Day to you too, Dave. Um, yeah, happy day, guys. <laughs> the, the Mountain Goats uh, are an American band who, a few years ago, released a concept album called Beat the Champ. It was basically a collection of songs all inspired by imagined uh, and real life incidents from professional wrestling. I was put onto it by uh, our guest from a few weeks ago, uh, Carlo. And, Dr. Uh, Magicoco. Dr. Magicoco, to give him his full and proper title. That's his luchador indeed. name. Um, <laughs> he works down in Mexico. Yeah. Shortly after, anyway, Sasha Banks, um, former 
WWE Women's Champion. Um, and and bo- a, a wa- legit boss. Walking botch machine. Yeah, and, Sasha Snoop, Banks. and, and Snoop Dogg's cousin, if we need uh, some sort of musical connection to make this legit. Uh, she tweeted them, where's my song? And uh, about three years later, it's here. It's called Song for Sasha Banks. And it sounds like this. Minnesota, Massachusetts They can tell I'm coming up by the expression on my face I'm gonna make a lot of money Everyone I love is gonna have their own safe place Everybody's got their own spot Find mine One of my least favorite wrestlers, one of my least favorite bands What could possibly go right? (laughs) Not much one of your least favorite bands. Is this the thing? Do you know it's, this? It's less a war of attrition with the Mountain Goats and more of a it's not my style. Sure. Uh, I think he's a great writer. Car- like Carlo, well. Carlo's listening to this right now and he's bawling his fist. Yeah. Uh, but I just, it's it's a bit too twee for me. It's a bit too whole steady, but more kind of folk version. The Doolin Folk Festival version of the whole steady. Uh, again, you know, clearly very good at the old lyrics and crafting together. <laughs> Crafted together, <laughs> crafted together the odd song or two, but it's just not my thing, and this isn't either. Yeah, I think the thing with this song is that it's um, like made to order a bit. Um, oh, yeah, very much so, yeah. <laughs> whereas, you know, Beat the Champ, um, which I went back and had a bit of a listen to, was obviously um, hugely about his own childhood and how invested he was in those guys, and it was very personal. This is like a bit of a laundry list of her career, and you kind of get the sense he's not too invested in it um and it doesn't have that kind of um you know in between uh, reflective kind of shades of gray stuff um that he does so well it's too a bit too clean cut and positive and uh the american dream for me there's it's one dimensional but it's a decent enough tune it's yeah it's yeah. grand i mean like you know it's, it, musically it's obviously just what they do well yeah um yeah, at the same time as well, like when he was writing about anything specific on Beat the Champ, it was like, you know, Chava Guerrero Sr. or Bruiser Brody getting stabbed in Puerto Rico. Um, Muhammad Hassan, did you write with him? No, 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 no. It's a missed opportunity. No, the, he's, he, he says it himself. He's a territories guy, which tells you the sort of vintage that you're dealing <laughs> he with. He must here. love NXT. Um, <laughs> I don't think he had a clue who Sasha Banks was when she asked for a song. <laughs> um, and But yeah, but what I'm saying is that, like, you know, yeah, he was writing about, like, these truly larger than life characters with really bizarre stories and maybe with Sasha Banks sort of you know uh, I moved to three different states and then I became a professional wrestler he found himself slightly short of material or yeah, something yeah I think so but, uh, did you see but the nice. did you see the, the, the lower back bump that she took at Money in the Bank on the ladder no I didn't actually it was early know. in the match and it was shades right. shades of ravishing Rick Rude and the injury that ended his career may he right. rest in peace right. Uh, not good No From Sasha Banks One woman botchamania like. Not good I'm sure she's lovely But Jesus Christ She's going to kill somebody And that song's the week everyone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And that's the show almost Except for the other listening corner uh, Not much this week from me No I think we discussed All of the albums One could possibly really listen to I enjoyed uh, Marilyn Manson's Overproduced random cover Of Cry a Little Sister A song off the Lost Boys soundtrack Don't know why it exists But I'm glad it does <laughs> Fair it, enough It was grand uh, Yeah no Uh Jay, Bay, Naz and Sophie is all I've really given the spin to. 
Yeah, I mean, just all Kanye all the time. <laughs> Check out everything again, um, because I don't particularly like what Nas brings to track, but I think it's a really solid melody, so maybe check that out again, Dave. Okay, yeah. I saw on your Spotify and my, my weekly stalk of you that you were listening to a Cribs album. Yeah, why was I doing that? But I think because I was reading an article, an interview with Johnny Marr, and he was talking about bands he worked oh, with, yeah. and I was like, yeah, I'm sticking on the Cribs, because it's the Cribs. Ignore the ignorant? Yeah. Would you recommend it? Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. It's got Johnny Marr on it. This is me doing Craig's other listening work for <laughs> sure. him. It's brilliant, yeah. Okay, that's the show. We'll be back next week with a review of the new Nine Inch Nails album, Bad Witch. And if I get off the plane back from going to see them in mainland Europe in time, I'll review the gig. Indeed. Dahi and I are going on our travels. Holiday. <laughs> Bucket yeah. and spade. Bucket and spade. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so, until then, my name... Oh, hang on. Oh, the listening. Uh, exit music, exit rather. Music, yeah, bro. sorry. I'm, I'm all hot and bothered in the studio. <laughs> He's already on his holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going into work tomorrow for four days in a row. It's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> I know, yeah. I tell you, uh, Friday is my Monday. So, as regards our exit music this week, got sent a track called Wave by an act called Rushes who doesn't have a lot of promotional material about himself out there and thus I'm going to respect the man's privacy and say <laughs> that I enjoy the song <laughs> my name is David William Hanrady this has been No Encore there will be No Encore and this is the mysterious Rushes with Wave Free the crowd you steady falling and I'm almost down I swear I'm only just seeing your face Whatever you do
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. These days, we're all getting more screen time, which means we're also getting more blue light exposure than ever before. Too much blue light can make your eyes feel tired, dry, or blurry. It can also affect your sleep. Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 